When does a joke become a dad joke? When it's apparent. Why do chicken coops have two doors? Because if it had four, it'd be a sedan. What do you call a hen who counts her own eggs? A mathema chicken. All right. If you got your Bibles, get them out. Today, we're continuing a series um, called Jesus Encounter. Today is part seven of that series. By the way, um, this series will continue um, for the next couple of weeks, but on Tuesday, we're going to Israel with a group of folk, finally. Um, we, we tried to do this trip in 2021. It was too, too chaotic, too many things going on, and it was uh, postponed. So on Tuesday, we're leaving with, uh, I think we've got 31 people going with us to Israel, so it's going to be a great time. Be praying for us. Um, but while we're gone, we've got a, we got a great uh, team up here preaching. But today is part seven of uh, our Jesus Encounter series. Um, we've been focusing on the person and the power and the roles of the Lord Jesus Christ. What are we doing? We're trying to show you who this one is so that we can fall deeper and deeper in love with him. How many want that? All right, let me do a quick review and we'll get into some new content. Uh, Part one, we we did a message called Jesus, Our Messiah. Jesus fully met the requirements outlined in the Bible of who who the Messiah would be. Part two, we did a a message called Jesus, Our God. Jesus isn't just from God, he is God. He isn't just divinity, um, he is divine, amen? Uh, Part three, Jesus the man. We talked about how the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus lived a life, walked this earth as a man. He never never laid down his deity, he never stopped being God, but he walked this earth as fully God, fully man, and he perfectly represented the Father to us. He's, he's the Father's perfect representation to this world. And furthermore, he perfectly represents you and me, not just collectively, but individually to the Father in heaven. You have a representative in heaven, and it's much better than your representative and your federal government. Okay. So, <laughs> come on, that's like low-hanging fruit. Like, even if they were really, really, really good representatives... How many of Jesus is the best? Okay. So that's Jesus, the man. Uh, part four, Jesus, our Lord. We talked about the establishing the lordship of Jesus in our life, something that is lacking in uh, many Christians' lives, in my opinion. So we want to have the lordship established in our lives. Part five, um, Jesus, our peace. Pastor Emily, my wife, did a message called Jesus, our peace. Great message. Go listen to it. Uh, last week, I did a message called Jesus, our bridegroom. We talked about how Jesus is the, the, the groom of heaven and the, and, the, and the church is the bride of Christ on earth and that he's coming back to take his bride to be with him someday and we are looking forward to that day, amen. Uh, today, I want to talk about Jesus, our friend. Jesus, our friend. What a privilege it is that we can be counted as friends of God and friends of Jesus. What other, what other religion in the world, what other faith in the world allows us such close proximity to our creator that we can literally walk through life in a friendship relationship with Jesus? John chapter 15, verses 12 through 17, Jesus said this. this is, uh, my command is this, love each other, 
I'm like, that's a good command. As I have loved you. Okay, now it's gotten harder, right? Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has known this to lay down one's life for one's friend. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my, in my name, the Father will give it to you. This is my command. Love each other. Love each other. Jesus has called us into a friendship relationship with him, not just a servant relationship. How many know the servant part's important? We should get that down. There are many aspects and facets to um, our relationship with God. And the friendship one, man, what an amazing revelation. Um, in the Greek, the word friend here, um, it's uh, the, the Greek word uh, uh, philos, and, it's, and it means a friend, someone dearly loved or prized in a personal, intimate way, a trusted confidant held in a close bond of personal affection. Okay, I don't know about you, but um, friendships have, we have friendship circles, right? You have people out here who you don't know, then you have acquaintances, people you know, and then as it gets closer and closer, you have like an, perhaps an inter-circle of friends that you're very close to. But is it the case that maybe you have maybe one or two people in that very close inner circle? And that, those people know you in an intimate, personal way. I would say my, my spouse, my wife, um, she's, she's my spouse, but she's also my best friend in the world. She knows more about me than any other person in the world. And I have very close friends who know a lot about me that, no one, uh, that many other people don't know. But this is, Jesus doesn't want just a casual friendship relationship with us where it's like, oh yeah, I know him and he kind of knows me and we see each other every once in a while. No, he wants an intimate, personal, close bond of affection with you. Like when you're walking through your day and you're like, the, the nearness of the Lord is, you're just aware of the nearness of the Lord. You're aware of the presence of the Lord everywhere you go, everything you're doing. You're just aware he's with you. He's with you on errands. He's with you at the gym. He's with you at work. He's with you, you know, when you're with your family. Um, and I thought this was interesting. If you look at an outline of biblical usage of this word friend, obviously it means a friend, associate, um, a familiarity, companionship. And then this stuck out to me. This is really cool. One of the bridegroom's friends, who on his behalf asked the hand of the bride and rendered him various services in closing the marriage and celebrating the nuptials. Okay, this is what would be known uh, in modern terms as um, a, a um, best man in a wedding or, or, a, or a maid of honor, okay? And so this word we see in the Greek, one of the meanings of it is a close, confident friendship like a best man. How many have ever been a best man or maid of honor in a wedding? Okay, the, 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 um, I've been in weddings where, you know, like you're in, you're in the wedding party, you're a groomsman, and like you just show up and everything's kind of done. All you had to do was get your suit. And I've been in other weddings where it's like, you have a lot of responsibility to make this wedding happen. Have you ever been in those weddings? Where it's like, you are doing... Everything. I was, um, I was Rob Lovett's best man in his wedding. And that was one of those labor-intensive, heavy <laughs> weddings. Um, lots of work, okay. Um, but listen, 
<laughs> okay. But here's the deal. There's a difference. Well, let me say this. It's kind of a funny that in biblical times, um, this person went on behalf of the groom and asked for the bride's hand in marriage for the groom. Um, I haven't done anything like that since, like, junior high, you know? <laughs> Remember junior high where um, you, you, like, tell your friend, you're like, I like that girl. And he's like, do you want me to ask her out for you? And you're like, yes, I do. Will you go out with me? Yes, no, circle one. And you're like, go take this to her. And then they come back and it says no. You know, that's, that's how it works. At least that's how it usually works for me. So, and, I've been, and I've been that guy too, where it's like, hey, go ask her out for me. I'm like, okay. And you know, go over here. I'm like, will you? My friend wants to know if you'll go out with, with him. No? Okay, fine. So... We were striking out constantly. <laughs> but apparently this was a thing in Bible days. We were on behalf of the groom, a trusted confidant would go and ask the hand of the bride for someone. I don't know why they did that, but they did. But here's the deal. There's a difference between the person you hire to set up chairs at your wedding and the best man, right? Um, both are there to serve the bride and the groom, but only one of them is a close, personal confidant of the groom and the bride. Okay, how does this apply to us? Well, the Bible describes Jesus as our heavenly bridegroom. We talked about this last week. And the, and the church is the bride of Christ. Um, there's someone mentioned in the Bible. Actually, they mentioned themselves um, as a friend of the bridegroom. You guys remember who this is? You can shout it out. John the Baptist, you get extra credit. Okay. John the Baptist self-described himself as a friend of the bridegroom. Um, he was the one who came to prepare the way for the Messiah. He, he came to prepare the way for Jesus. He was like a good best man. He's coming before the, the groom saying, hey, the bridegroom comes, get ready for him to come. John's ministry began before Jesus' ministry. And I don't know if you've ever, have you ever wondered why, didn't, why Jesus didn't just show up on the scene and start his ministry without having John the Baptist go before him? Um, and here's why, here's why. There was over 400 years of silence from heaven from the end of the Old Testament to the beginning of the New Testament. Imagine that, 400 years of silence. Um, that's a long time. So between the end of uh, Malachi in the Old Testament, or Malachi, the Italian prophet, as I like to call him. <laughs> the book of Malachi. Malachi. He's Italian, okay. He's not Italian, just so you know. Between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of Jesus' public ministry, 400 years. L just to give a context for that, the United States has only been a nation for 246 years. So imagine no revelation from heaven, God not speaking at all for the entire history of the United States. That's a long time. It was spiritually dead. Um, Christopher Columbus, it was 530 years ago that he, he sailed to the Americas. Okay, so somewhere in between the United States becoming a nation and Christopher Columbus is how long it was spiritually dead. There was no revelation from heaven. There was no prophets prophesying. It was just spiritually dead. It was so spiritually dead that there needed to be a pre-revival just to get people ready for, for the Messiah to come, just to get ready for Jesus. Those steeped in religiosity, they were very religious. They were observing many religious 
um, things from the, you know, um, from the law, but they were spiritually dead, as we know from Scripture. But John, here comes John the Baptist, and he's saying he comes preparing the way for the Lord Jesus. I mentioned this last week, but in a traditional Jewish wedding, the time of the arrival of the groom was a mystery to the wedding attendants. But when it was time, it was customary for one of the groom's party to go ahead of the bridegroom, leading the way to the bride's house, and shout, Behold, the bridegroom comes. This is what John the Baptist was doing for the Lord Jesus when he was coming. So let's read about this best man. John chapter 3, verses 25 through 30. It says this, An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over matters of ceremonial washing or, or baptism. They came to John and said, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. Okay, let's pause there real quick. He's baptizing and everyone's going over to Jesus. John, uh, John the Baptist had a vibrant public ministry. In other words, he's getting lots of attention, right? John the Baptist, he's, he's preaching. He's getting lots of attention. He's preparing the way for Jesus. And, um, and all of a sudden, his disciples start going over to Jesus. Now, this is a really good opportunity for John the Baptist to become like really insecure, right? But John knew what his purpose was. His, he knew his purpose was not to have the bride's affection on himself. He knew his job was to keep the affection on the bridegroom. Amen? He was a good best man. Verse 27, to this John replied, a person can receive only what is given to them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the voice, the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and it is now complete. He must become greater and I must become less. He must increase. I must decrease. Wow. John the Baptist understood what his role was. He, he understood that his job wasn't to get the affection of all the people on him. He understood that his job was to get the people ready for one that was coming after him. He was a good best man to the Lord Jesus. His identity was not wrapped up in a vibrant public ministry. It was wrapped up in being a friend of Jesus. He said, the bride belongs to the groom, not to me. Everyone knows that if, you're, if you go to a wedding, you're in a wedding, you're, you're bridesmaid, you're, you're a groomsman, your job is not to draw attention to yourself. You're there to serve the bride and the groom. Amen? Your job isn't to get all the attention for yourself. You're there to serve and not to be a distraction for what's going on. You're there because it's their day right? Um, and this is what John the Baptist understood about the Lord Jesus. He understood, it's not my job to get all the attention on me. It's my job to serve the groom and get the, get the bride ready for the groom. Amen? I want to give you an illustration of, if you're ever in a wedding, and we'll apply this to our lives here in just a minute, what not to do, okay? What not to do. So go ahead and roll that video. This strapping young lad sitting here is Phyllis's father, Albert, and he is quite the ladies' man, aren't you, Albert? Huh? Ah, ring bear. I could have done better. 
I will do better. I am going to be better. I can't believe I'm actually doing this. Ooh, are you ready for this, Albert? I am. Let's do it. Walking Phyllis down the aisle was supposed to be the highlight of the wedding. And now the wedding has no highlight. Well, I got news for you, Albert. That's your real name. The show's not over. Phyllis, take Bob Vance, Vance Refrigeration, to be your lawfully wedded husband. I do. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present to you, for the first time as a couple, Mr. and Mrs. Bob Vance! And do you, Bob, take Phyllis to be your lawfully wedded wife? I do. You may now kiss the bride. Ladies and gentlemen, for the first time as a couple, Mr. and Mrs. Hoffman! All right, are we clear what not to do? That is what you don't do if you're best man or even helping in the wedding at all. You're there to serve the bride and the groom that day, not to draw attention to yourself. The highlight is not pushing the father of the bride down the, down the aisle, the, the highlight is the bride and groom. Here's the deal with John the, ba John the Baptist. John knew his place, and he knew where his true joy would come from. His true joy was in serving the bridegroom, not in having the attention on himself. John's friendship requirement for Jesus was to keep the people's affection on the Lord Jesus. What did he do? He kept his sticky paws off of the bride, right? If you ever have a best man or a maid of, a maid of honor who's uh, messing with the bride and groom, that is, a, that is a bad sign, okay? He was a good best man, and he got to share in Jesus' joy. So what does this mean to you and to me? If you are a follower of Jesus, you are uh, the bride of Christ, uh, also known as the church. The church is the bride of Christ, but also, I want to say that we have dual roles. If you're a Christian, you also have a commission to ministry. How many Christians we got up in here? If you don't raise your hand, you're not a Christian. Okay, one more chance. Jesus is watching. Okay. How many feel manipulated right now? Okay. How many, now how many, that's how many Christians, how many like ministers of the gospel do we have in this place? Come on, that's all y'all too. Raise your hands, minister the gospels. Every Christian is called to 
the ministry. Maybe not in a full-time vocational sense, but if you're a Christian, you are called to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not the only one called to, to preach the gospel here. Jesus said this in Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything I have commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. This is the Great Commission. The Great Commission wasn't just for the OT, the original 12. The Great Commission is for all y'all. It's for all of us, amen? It says this in uh, Ephesians 4, uh, chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. And he, speaking of Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. Why did he give these? Verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. Why has it been giving apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, evangelists? Is to equip the body of Christ so that the body of Christ can do the work of the ministry. The work of the ministry is not for the professional people that stand on the stage. The work of the ministry is for everyone who calls themselves a Christian. So I hereby commission you. I don't know what I'm doing, but you know what I'm saying. There's something happening here. You're commissioned now. Okay. So when it comes to our heavenly betrothal to Jesus, we are the bride of Christ. And that is a cool revelation that we all need to get. But when it comes to our earthly ministry that we're all called to, we are to be friends of the bridegroom. We're to be friends of the bridegroom. We have a, a dual role while we're here in this life. Um, how, many, how many people here you have like a, a dual citizenship? You're, you're a citizen of the United States and you're a citizen of the, you guys are? Australia and the United States. Any, anyone else? Yeah, what, what country? Haiti and the United States. So dual citizenship. You're, you're, you are um, part of two countries. Um, Paul, Paul was a citizen of Israel, and Paul was a citizen of Rome. He had, he had dual citizenship. Um, Paul also said this to us, our citizenship is in heaven, but we also have a purpose and a ministry here now. You could think of it like this. You have dual citizenship. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Our real home is with Jesus in heaven, but currently we live in this world and we have a ministry in this world. When it comes to our citizenship in heaven, we are the church, the bride of Christ, and we get to be that forever. But when it comes to our ministry here on earth, we are to be friends of the bridegroom and bring glory to the Lord Jesus. What is that ministry? You are here to prepare people for relationship with Jesus. You're to be like John the Baptist, asking, hey, he's, he's like this, go into all the world and find me a bride. Go find me a bride. Jesus is like, uh, here, take this note. Will you marry me? Yes or no. And now go take this into all the world and ask, will you marry me? We're supposed to go on behalf of the Lord Jesus and preach and proclaim the gospel and, and ask for the, their hand in marriage with the Lord Jesus you're called to be the best man. Amen. Are you a good best man? Are you a good best man? Here's how you're not a good best man. Make sure you don't steal the bride's affections. Be the best best man and step out of the way. So what is my job as a pastor? My job really is to point people to relationship with Jesus and then step out of the way and not get the affection for myself. Worship leaders, this is a big one for worship leaders. It's good that we're having this conversation. 
uh, worship leader's job is not to get up here and look good and sing songs and be the star of the show. No, their job is to help you connect with King Jesus and not steal any of the affection. One thing I will say about Greg, he's amazing at this. I never felt like Greg had an ego or anything like this. I always felt like he was here to serve and to lead us to the Lord. And that's the mark of a good worship leader. Is like, I want these people to connect with the Lord. And that, that should be the heart of a worship leader. That should be the heart of a pastor. And that should be the heart of all of us when we're um, doing anything for the Lord, any ministry, any service we're doing for the Lord. It's, it's really like, God, I want Jesus. You are, you are the heavenly bridegroom. And I'm, I'm the best man. I want to connect these people to you. And then I want to step out of the way and not steal any affection or the show for myself. Amen? Okay, your ministry is the same. This is, I think, one of the reasons why in the book of James it says, not many of you should become teachers. Number one, teachers accrue a stricter uh, judgment. But perhaps the groom, ask yourself this question, how will the groom best be served with my ministry? Maybe, maybe the groom would be best served if I was an usher, a greeter on the security team or the children's ministry or whatever it is. Maybe it's something serving the homeless in your city. How will he best, how will the groom best be served um, through your life? It may not necessarily be full-time vocational ministry, but ask the question, how can I best serve the groom? How can I be the best friend possible? We don't want to go after the bride's affections. We want to live for the Lord's affections. And that is so key because we do have his affections. You do have the affection of, of the bridegroom. You already have that. And that's what should sustain us, and that's what should fill us. Amen? That is, that is, that is um, if you're secure in who you are in Christ Jesus, and that is enough for you, you don't have to live for other people's approval because you have approval. Amen? Maybe you're insecure. Maybe you're, you're walking around not sure who you are. Listen, be secure in who you are in God. He loves you. He's, he's like, in love with you. He's, like, obsessed with you. Amen? We can be secure in that. We don't have to go around trying to be something that we're not and comparing ourselves to everyone else, amen? Trying to prove that we're something, something better, okay? So let me conclude with this. I want to propose that there is a John the Baptist generation that will usher in the second coming of Jesus. John the Baptist ushered in the first coming of Jesus and I believe that we are called to be a John the Baptist generation ushering the second coming of Jesus. What do we do in the meantime? We are preparing a bride for our king. Amen? The Bible says in... Uh, oh, let's see where it says. This is in Second uh, Peter. Second Peter 3, 12. I'll go back to verse 11. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. As you look forward to the day of the Lord and speed its coming. Hasten the day of the Lord. Um, that is such an interesting concept to me that someone would say in the, in the Bible that we can hasten, we can hurry the return of the Lord Jesus to this planet. Because in my mind, this day is set and it's like I don't have any control over it. It doesn't move. But, a, you know, and from God's vantage point, I'm sure it is, it's set. He's decided. When is Jesus coming back? No one knows the day or the hour. But from our vantage point, apparently we have a job and we can hasten or hurry the day of the Lord. And perhaps there's more than one way to do that, but here's the only way I know how. Here's the only way I know how to hasten the day of the Lord. 
Matthew 24, verse 14, Jesus said this, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. How can we hurry up the return of the Lord Jesus? Preach the gospel. Get this message out to the world, the message that Jesus came to this earth. He paid the penalty on the cross for everyone's sin. He, he, he died. He was buried. He rose again on our behalf. When we place our faith and trust in him, he gives us the gift of salvation, the gift of relationship with him. And we are leading people as a good groom, as a good um, best man. We are leading, we are, we're finding a bride for our heavenly bridegroom. What do we need? We need messengers. We need people to equip. We need people to finance. And we need people to go. Or we need people to go about. As you go about your everyday life, preach the gospel. Be the light of Jesus and shine everywhere you go. We need a new generation of friends of the bridegroom. And I want to commission that, commission you with that today. So if you would stand to your feet and I want to pray for you. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for every person in this house, Lord. I thank you that we have the affection, your affection, Lord. We are secure in your affection for us, Lord. We are the bride of Christ, the church, Lord. But I pray today that we would realize, Lord, we are to be a friend of the bridegroom. How do we do that? We obey your commands, Lord. We go into all the world and preach the gospel. We live for Jesus. We don't do this um, privately. We are not closet Christians. We're public Christians. And we boldly go about and proclaim the life and the love of the Lord Jesus. I bless your people today, Lord, and we just commission them, Lord, to realize what they have and what they carry. We just pray um, your Holy Spirit would empower us to find ourselves in those divine moments, those, those, those divine appointments, Lord, that you lead us to. We love you. We bless you. We thank you for today. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. God bless you guys.